She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of this epic grand finale episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. We're back again with Jenna Wheatland. Here is a little reminder of part one and enjoy part two guys it's phenomenal all of jenna's links are in the show notes so if you want to get in contact please get in contact we will be back for season five in april she loves herself with jill ritchie oh wow it's so amazing because i've i've listened to your story from childhood as well and um i love that you shared because i think there's so many people that can relate to that and I, I guess people that don't know you may think well yeah it's okay for her like she's doing this now and they see this like the tip of the iceberg but they don't understand actually you know your childhood wasn't an easy childhood <laughs> no I come yeah. from extreme poverty and neglect and it's and a lot of you know abuse and addiction and it's so interesting for me, even being in relationship now, when I share stories or share childhood, you know, Lolly and Nicole have known me for years now that there were definitely times where Lolly would be confused or something sounded contradictory because in a photo or in some memory, my childhood looks picture perfect. It's like the Kodak family with this cute little house or these flower gardens. And visually, sometimes it looked beautiful. And as I got older, turning, you know, seven, eight, nine, things did start to crumble. And even in that beauty, even in a photo you might see in front of a rose garden, it wasn't, it wasn't beautiful necessarily behind the scenes. I absolutely, you know, we found a love in nature and a solace in nature. My brothers and I always did. And I, look back now and realize, well, that's nature was my home. Nature was, you know, where we spent all of our time. Nature was our parent. We spent every waking hour we could outside. And my parents were very much the same and they embraced that. My father was never there. He was a truck driver. So he was gone. And then when he did come home, he got into, he had some accident, um, and was on disability. He hurt himself. He could no longer work in that process. He got put on pain medications. There was an opioid epidemic in the nineties that you now learn about. And I can see now I lived the experience as a child of it. He became addicted to painkillers. At one point he had six different dentists was on a ton of different medication. You know, he was in and out of rehab. My parents had a very volatile divorce and custody battle that lasted for years my father had overdosed and well, overdose on prescription medication, not woken up a few times. So remember, there's a letter I wrote to my fourth grade teacher. We were allowed to write letters on the back of our spelling test to just share if there's something we couldn't speak out loud. And her name's Mrs. Fielding. I just found her the other day on social media and sent her a message. Um, and the, the letter says, my daddy took too many pills last night and didn't wake up. So this is eight-year-old Jenna, I think. And I learned later he did take too many pills and it was a conscious choice to end his life. His friend who he had opened a restaurant with built this restaurant with my dad didn't show up to it. One day came and banged down his door, found him unconscious, called 911. He went to rehab and that was just a normal happening sprinkled throughout all of that. There's you know, a lot of violence in the home, a lot of addiction in the home, a lot of abuse within the home and a lot of scarcity and a lot of poverty. I, 
remember opening the door to people in, with boxes pretending to be from our church saying that they were moving and were donating the leftover food in their cabinets because really they were coming to donate food and clothing to us because we didn't have it. So I was very much raised by a tribe and community of people around me, though it is very, you know, if you do see me now and you think, oh, okay, well, here's this here's this white woman who just seems extremely privileged. And yes, I, I do live a life in many ways that I'm very grateful for that, that is very privileged. And the power in that for me is that I've created that life. No one can say to me, oh, well, you know, you had this or that, or that I mean, X, Y, and Z. I mean, maybe, maybe some things, or yes, I'm white, or I grew up in America. There are those things that I'm not going to argue. However, I do come from not having enough food, from not having heat, from having our water turned off, from not having a home for months at a time. And to come from that, to get to where I am now, there was always a deep knowing, though it's also... I think the power of sharing my story and why I so ruthlessly and transparently share these parts that maybe some people would be embarrassed about. And I spent a lot of my life being embarrassed about it. However, that gets to show me that I get to be my own proof. I literally got to speak my life that it is now into existence by one, first having the thought about it, creating where I was going, thinking about it, and then literally speaking it outward into existence and aligning all of my actions. It's not like I just sat there and journaled every day and woke up to this <laughs> incredible life that happens to be me actually living my dream on a day-to-day -day basis. I made so many actions and so many choices over the years to stay in alignment with that so that I could get here. Mm. So beautiful. And I was on that journey as you're, you're speaking, you took me with you on that journey and I was visualizing you as a child and I could feel that, that emotion, you know, the letter to your teacher you know, as a child in your innocence, right? It's to go in and, and to really love eight-year-old Jenna. And the, I guess, you know, you, you talked about there's inner child um, work um, in the circle that you do. You love em embodied a lot of inner child work and, and you go in and you see that version of you and you you almost hold them and, and bring in safety and love. And it's... It's so incredible to take yourself and, you know, you you, you talk about privilege and, and things and I get it. But I also completely with you, what you've created from that with such adversity and confusion and lack of safety, I guess, um, and unconditional loving to, to then go and create what you've created is absolutely phenomenal and it gives so many other people hope that you're never stuck. You always have a choice to really get, you know, to, to whatever that decision is that you want to make. And, and it's going back to saying, not saying it's easy. It's not always easy, especially if you have been programmed and conditioned to think this certain way. But the more that you can cultivate presence, the more time that you can spend in silence and just simply breathing into your body and coming out of the, the personal thinking mind and going into the body, your body begins to feel safe. 
it begins to trust you again. It's like, oh, she, she's coming back. Oh, here she is again. Oh, she's come back again. This is good. And the wisdom and the insights that start to come through. Then I get a lot of mine when I'm, when I'm journaling. You know, it's almost like I'll journal for a few pages and then there's this download. It's like I talk to myself like a third person. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's but we've all got access to this. And you said this in the beginning. Like we all have access to this, you know, God creator, you know, however it is, whatever term you want to use, it doesn't just say, um, you know, I like Jenna, but I don't like Jill. I'm not going to give her <laughs> anything. It's absolutely available to everyone, but it has to start with you not living in your story, not mm-hmm. living in your story and, and actually doing the work. We're not saying, you know, just decide and then, you know, say affirmations and it works. There's a lot of deep work, especially if there's trauma to go mm-hmm. in and really allow yourself to feel those suppressed emotions, mm-hmm. to allow them to move through your body, to heal and then start to get aligned to the path, you know, start to take the action on the things that are really aligned to your truth. But the truth is never going to feel safe enough to come if you're just completely switched off to your body. Uh, yeah, I'm on one now. <laughs> yeah, it's those little things like we keep saying, you know, if you want to do the work or come back to the present moment, come back to your breath. And I now now I'm experienced in the world of social media. I always, I always hear the critic. I always hear the contrast. I know cancel culture, no matter what you say, you will be canceled. And that's almost refreshing in a way. And I realized I shared on the last, one of the recent podcasts, I still get kind of like this vulnerability hangover. Even after we record the self-healer soundboard, I walk away and feel sort of ill or I go through this physical reaction and I remind myself, okay, you know, you're safe, you're okay. And I've been realizing even just this last week that it's so it's getting more and more refreshing and easier to walk away too. And I explored, well, why is that? It's because I care less. And it's not that I care less about what other people think though, sort of it's because if you want to get more detailed, I'm less attached to the story. I care less about the story of what someone else thinks about anything I say, if I'm speaking my truth, Mm -hmm. if I'm not speaking my truth and I'm trying to get to an end goal to please this person or say the right thing or, or something like that, then I have all of these mixed feelings, all this confusion, a lot of anxiety and like this hangover feeling afterwards. Though, if I'm in there just speaking my truth and being me, which actually is work. It's my work continuously every day is coming back to being me. It's not inventing this new person. It's taking all of the stuff out of the way and just getting back to being so infinitely Jenna and so purely expressed as Jenna that I don't have an attachment to what you're Mm -hmm. saying over here because you're going to say it anyways. And I'm in my truth and this severity, I guess it is severity, the depth of of this work. And we keep saying, you know, we do this work. It's, it's available to everyone. Is it for everyone? No. And do I, do I hope that everyone chooses to love themselves or see themselves how I view them or how, you know, as these brilliant, huge, magnificent people, 
Absolutely. And that part of coming back to you that gets so easily gets looked over, like, you know, be present and love yourself though. I think of, and I have this prayer card here that is Jake's who is my brother who passed in November and Jake comes from the same childhood that I come from. He comes from the same background that I come from and he's a year older. So he also, he also experienced things experienced the same things though he was older and could experience more of them. He describes his childhood as being in a boxing match and running back and forth between mom and dad and catering to both and trying to make both of them happy to make the fighting stop, to take care of mom. He kind of became my mom's partner in so many ways up until he died. He was that person for her, that consistency. He took on that role, even as a child, he took on the role of protecting Josh and I, and Jake is a, a wizard and a mystic truly of our times who was doing this inner child work, who is having the conversations that I'm having now way before I was. And I couldn't ever see that. I always thought, you know, once he got clean and was in recovery over these last six years, he's been in recovery. That was the first time I really got to experience him again. Like I got my brother back because I did have a boundary up for many years for my own safety. He had put our lives and his own life in danger many times. And he knew that, and he respected that. And when I was able to sort of come back and connect with him again, And even now reflecting back on writings that he's written and beautiful pieces about being in touch with himself, the work that we need to do, I guess, that inner child work, hearing him describe his childhood. I've really witnessed just how powerful and important the work that we're talking about is, whether you choose to do it or not, because here's someone like Jake who loved everyone around him. He would pick up the phone at three in the morning to be there for someone. He in recovery, dozens and dozens of people reached out after his death and said, you know, I owe my life to your brother. He was that person for other people. And he's not here now because he was not that person for himself. And It would be him to even as he is transitioned and is no longer here to leave that, of course, is his final teaching. He hated that he always disappointed himself. He could never love himself. He always desired to appease everyone else, to make everyone else proud. And he lacked the first connection that he needed, the bridge he needed to get to that place. And that authentic love and connection with other people was to have that authentic love and connection with himself. And it's not a joke what we're talking about when we do stay in these traumatized bodies or pass when Jake lived the life that he lived, he did spiral into addiction. And, you know, he, multiple times he had overdosed in my twenties, I received a few phone calls that Jake was gone. And then he was brought back. He'd been in and out of jail and in and out of prison. And when he went through that period of recovery, it was absolutely tremendous. He got to be someone so important and crucial in sharing his story 
that allowed others to do exactly what I'm doing, to acknowledge their own stories, to love themselves, to put themselves into recovery, to stay in recovery. And that one piece that he missed was that love for himself, that commitment to himself. And when we don't honor that, no, we might not all end up, you know, passed away at 36, though we may end up 80 still alive in our human body and literally stuck in a shell living in this cycle of this past in this torment and this, you know, literally a traumatized body until we actually choose to look at it and to realize, oh, that trauma actually is wound up and balled up in my cells. It literally lives inside my body. And I use Jake in, I guess, forever in my mind and my teachings that it just reminds me the depth that we're not joking when we talk about what we're doing here. This is, I'm hesitant to say it's a matter of life and death, though it is. Yeah, It is a matter of life and death. And the thing that's missed is that so many of us experience that death while we're still here living in this human body. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jenna, thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I really felt that and I feel like there's such a huge why there for you too. And this is the work. It's not about anything else. It's not about chasing more money and manifesting more this and that. And the, the surface level stuff will never give you what you are looking for because what you are searching for, you have inside of you. You're never going to find it from that thing out there. This The self-love work And again, it's that your brother, and I felt like when you were talking and your brother did so much to try and please other people Mm. to keep, so there wasn't arguments, there wasn't fights, there wasn't safety. So he would just give, give, give. Mm -hmm. And, And when we deny ourselves that love, it's like he couldn't really connect with it from his own perspective for the 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 whole self-love piece and ultimately that's where the pain comes for you too it's like he couldn't love himself the way that everyone else loved him and saw how incredible he was and that pain and trauma to experience that as a child right it's Mm. it's tough and yeah I mean I guess this isn't for everyone for me I I I truly believe that we can connect with people that have passed and their souls. I mean, my mom, I've shared this again on the podcast. My mom is almost like in two worlds now. She's um, now in a nursing home. She's only in her 60s. So she's had cancer for 18 years and it would go and then it would come back and go and come back. And she was always such a strong woman, but then she had radiotherapy on her brain a few years ago and it basically um she did really well her cancer had spread to her brain she did she did well but the radiotherapy as a side effect gave her strokes and has given her dementia so and it's almost like she is here the physical but it's not her and I when we talk about attachment I realized in a coaching session with my own coach I, I, I thought I'd done, you know, you think, oh, I know that. I know about attachment, but I didn't realize how attached I was to her and that 
I needed to let go of that attachment to her because I felt so responsible to and mm-hmm. and, and sad and and bad and what I did in a session I went in and it was like my soul left my body and connected with her soul and we had this conversation and she said things to me in this conversation like and I was crying I was really emotional like, like purging and letting the emotion out kind of somatically move in and she said to me it's okay like this isn't your stuff this was always my journey and I'm okay I'm I'm okay this is okay and in that moment I I cried and I cried and and but I I I felt like I was we were sort of two souls connecting and I was telling her I love her and she's like like we we will always be connected like soulmates almost Mm -hmm. and it felt in that moment everything changed for me with attachment Mm -hmm. because I realized that I didn't need to be attached. I could be beautifully connected to everyone around me. But the minute we're attached, we feel responsible. And when they pull away, we react. And, you know, and so that's where everything in my life changed because I started to then show up for me even more. Like I would start to say, this is my needs. I, this is what I really, really want because I, I had this fear, Jenna, of getting to end of life and ending up having regrets like my mom or like I'm not saying my mom had regrets it's a different generation you know (laughs) however I always knew I wanted freedom I want to travel and but I felt like I couldn't ask for that because I'm a mom now and moms shouldn't do that Mm. you shouldn't ever go away on your own without your children what kind of mom are you but deep within me my soul was like yeah you can that's your truth you like expansion you like freedom like I feel alive when I'm out in nature and I'm like this feeling like of aliveness but I wasn't asking but I was blaming my partner like he will he'll be annoyed at me and I would start resenting him before the thing had even happened but him and I have done like couple coaching and this is something that isn't ever talked about so much in the UK I know it's like big in America like loads of coaching couple coaching this isn't a thing here honestly like no one talks about it so when I started sharing that Daniel and I did couple coaching and people were like oh my god that's amazing but oh because there's so much shame but when I did that, I just felt like this 2021 with my mom and all these things that happened allowed me to let go and fully step into who I am, like my authentic truth of, I sometimes just want to be on my own. It doesn't mean anything about you. It just means I want to do this thing. Like, let's not make a thing. It's my thing that I want to do. But the freedom, like, you know, when you said it, the minute you speak your truth, the minute you say, this is how I feel, this is what I want, the result of it, it, it's really irrelevant. The power is actually in saying the words and speaking your truth. Whatever happens is a byproduct, right? But it always, yeah. we always know it works out. But the fact that you said it, the fact that you did it, the thing, that's the biggest breakthrough, you know, to be able to authentically live in full alignment and even though it might displease people, even though people in your life might be disappointed, you've got to do it. Like, or you will always feel like there's something missing. The amount of people that say, I just, you know, I've got all these things, but I just feel like something's missing. Yeah, it's the connection to yourself. <laughs>
<laughs> for sure. It is. And it's so it's there's something very refreshing about speaking your truth. And yes, you first have to to know your truth, which means I mean, I spent my entire all of my 20s. I did. I was teaching. I was in school to be a teacher. I was nursing, working in a hospital, multiple hospitals in school to be a nurse. I was running nonprofits, traveling to Zimbabwe, running a nonprofit. I did a lot of different things that I felt so called to. I They were aligned to me. They were intuitive to me. Nothing ever made sense to someone else. If you looked at Jenna's life, you know, I very much came from an environment where you go to high school and then you go into your college and then you get married, have a family and get a white picket fence. And that was never me is never me. I'm still now 35. I have no children. I have two partners. They're both women. It's a very, it's very different than most of my peers. It's just what worked for me. And I sometimes even being, I forget that, you know, we're a thruple and that's new to people or even being a woman in a lesbian relationship. I forget that that is even a thing for people because it's just so natural and so really intuitive to me. And true. (laughs) It, It is, it is my truth. Um, And that knowing you mentioned about your, your mom, that living in two different worlds. I, I remember writing years ago when Jake was, I was probably in my twenties and I wasn't in really communication with Jake at this time. He was in active addiction and, uh, you know, really struggling. And I left as soon as I could leave New York. I mean, I left twice in high school to go live with my father in Pennsylvania, who had actually left me in New York. And then both those times I went to live with him there, I was sent back to New York. So I went kind of back and forth to New York and Pennsylvania in high school. And then when my senior year came around, I, I left the moment that I could leave, I left and I didn't come back. I barely even made it through my senior year. I was really struggling emotionally, mentally. I was self-harming. I was, you know, drinking during the day at school, just like reaching, screaming desperately for help without directly asking for it. Cause I didn't necessarily know how, and I didn't have the courage to, it was scary. So for me, my safety was in leaving and creating a different life and a different path, which was very unconventional. And in that time away, I remember, you know, the phone calls and connecting back to New York a little bit. And I was writing about, it must've been a phone call or some particular situation with Jake, where I was writing about that hollowing feeling of standing in front of someone that you have known your whole life and loved your whole life and looking into their eyes and having them actually not be there and having the physical presence of this person, yet you can feel that they're not there and just how, how eerie and how new that was. Which is why it was, you know, fast forward 10 years later, literally to a couple of years ago when I reconnected with Jake, it was so beautiful to see him again. And also the depth of that was he is so present to the point that I would describe him as like, you know, well, he's different now after his recovery and all those drugs and prison, like he's just different. He's socially awkward is what I would say. When in reality, He wasn't socially awkward. He was so present that it made me terrifyingly uncomfortable. I couldn't sit with it. I couldn't be with it. And I've only realized now after 
his death that even in my relationship, I have pulled such a bandaid and such a veil off of me now realizing what actual presence and love is and just how, how physically difficult, even for me, it feels in my body to receive the love around me, to receive love from Lolly and Nicole, to know that I'm worthy yeah. of it, to remind myself that I'm worthy of it. That's incredibly difficult. And it's befriending that humanness in the same way. Now that Jake has passed, you know, it's, it's almost like there's this polarity in my mind because there is such a soulful divine part of me that is, you know, I feel closer to Jake than I ever have before. Mm -hmm. He's certainly, he's transitioned. His human shell is, you know, doing its thing, going back to the earth though. Jake's not gone. I talk to him in my head all day long. I feel him. He's, I know that he's here. I know that there's no separation. And I've noticed that while that's so peaceful, the difficult part for me is the fact that I can feel that. And it's a disservice to myself if I don't acknowledge that I'm also a human being inside a human shell. I have these emotions of grief. There is this horror, there is this, the depths of this pain that is also there simultaneously while there's this divine connection to him. And there is, there's a lot of peace that I found in really allowing myself to receive love and also in a new way that I could never learn from. I mean, everything I've learned has not been from textbooks or from degrees or schooling, really. It's been through my own life experience. And even just the other day, I was sitting outside realizing, you know, when there's clouds in the sky, they it rains, they become water, they go back into the ground, they go back up into the sky. Even someone's ashes, I was thinking, you know, we we cremate bodies. When a body is cremated, it turns to ashes. The body didn't disappear. It changed form. Everything only changes form. You literally can't disappear something. You can't just magically poof. It's gone. It only ever changes form. So there's nothing that can come in. There's nothing that can come out. So saying that just gives, it gives my heart such a hug Mm -hmm. to know that like, you know, Jake, I don't know, why the hell you did this? I know that there's some greater teaching and this was probably your plan all along. Though I do know he very much is still here because you don't go anywhere. And when you experience the depth of that pain and you see the wisdom that is available there and waiting for you to learn and to gain, everything looks different. Like you were saying earlier, colors are brighter. Birds sound different. The wind sounds different because you are just present. And when you are present, you realize there's no separation between anything. There's no separation between this God above or whatever the God is that you believe that entity doesn't live out there over and away from me or from you. That entity literally is you. And it's become so taboo for us to acknowledge or to speak that way. And I think Mm -hmm. normalizing that Mm -hmm. is really going to help normalize the shock that everyone experiences when you do realize how powerful you are and you do have to take responsibility and say, Oh damn, I am that powerful. I'm going to stop acting like a tiny little human being. If my life isn't how I want it to be, or I'm complaining over here, well, I'm responsible for that. And no one really wants to accept. I shouldn't say no one because people do. It's very humbling to accept that hard truth. Mm, Yeah. Well, Jenna, listen to you. I'm like, my goodness, when you were saying about alignment, this is exactly, I record a a 10 minute episode every Monday and they're called the Monday Love Punch episodes. 
So they're always like straight to the point, but with love. And always there's less compassion. Here we go. This is the truth, though. But everything you've just said is what I just said on today's episode. I'm like this is so true and we're so scared to say like well you know well what if you're God and this is then people are like you can't say that like well see and you just said it on a a podcast I'm saying it here those aren't Jill's words those aren't Jenna's words this comes up all the time in our work when people are like oh can we reshare or there's no such thing as an original thought. There's a reason that when you're honing into your truth and speaking your truth, that somehow I'm, you know, on the other side of the world, popping onto this recording with you and we're sharing the same thing and not knowing it because we're tuning in to the same frequency. There actually isn't a Jill over there that's separate than me. And that it's can get, one. we are right. one. It, it is. We are one. <laughs> Someone stood in front of a room once and put their finger up, bent it and said, did you see that? I just, I just changed the entire world. And the room started, you know, like laughing, like you didn't do anything. You just moved your finger. And I love it because no, in reality, and especially for all these science lovers out there, when you do move your finger, you actually do between you and I, or between me and this computer screen, there isn't nothing that nothing is made up of air molecules and particles. There actually is stuff. So when I do move, I actually do move all of the molecules and particles around it. I do cause a shift. It's the same as that butterfly effect, one butterfly wing and, you know, tidal wave on the other side of the world. Everything does have a cause and an effect. And when we are present, then we get to choose the cause that we're having and start to kind of curate the effect that we want to have instead of just continuously being a victim to, oh, I live my life this way. And then here's the effect down the road. Well, ma'am or sir, you know, you're responsible (laughs) for that effect down the road, whether or not you want to admit it. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, 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 yes to all of this. But people are so scared to say it. But I'm like, yeah. I think one time I said it and someone said to me, you can't say that. I'm like, well, I just did. Because that's what I believe. Like, I mean, how, how can we explain these things? And, you know, like when you're writing and then all of a sudden it's like, I have looked back at journal entries and I'm like, I, that wasn't me talking, although it was, but, you know, I'm like, this was like, this oh my word I'm like feeling this stuff and then everything starts to shift this is the work everything that that Jenna is saying and I'm seeing you've got it like it's there just get present that's the lesson get present I see it all the time get present practice 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 and it becomes fun it's like when you can just drop into it in a millisecond and you're there and it's like oh yes you know, that mm-hmm. feeling that you get. Jenna, I have loved chatting to you. This has just been so amazing. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom, your vulnerability, your authenticity, just absolutely stunning. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my tangents and holding space for my tears. Um, I appreciate it. This was a delight. I'm super, super grateful that we were able to connect and for the work that you're doing and really just more and more conversations like this that are present. I, this is exactly how we've begun recording recently, the soundboard as well. And, you know, when people are like, well, how do I be present? It's exactly what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. We hopped on and had no idea where this conversation was going to go. 
we might, we just need to be here with one another. And, you know, still this whole time. Yeah, of course there's chatter in my mind. That's like, oh my God, you're running on a tangent. You're talking too long. What did you just say? And that's there because I'm- (laughs) Don't worry, Jenna, I'm sinful. I I, I don't even sound like me. They'll be like, that's not even Jill speaking. My voice is gone. And and I'm like, I can't speak. (laughs) That's the mind though, right? But here's the thing. We're here and we're doing it. We, this is the this is what it looks like is being here and taking an action. We're actually here doing it. That is the work. Amazing. So oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>